everyone, welcome to the Brand Up Podcast, the place for founders with a million ideas, neurodivergent minds, and growing brands. If you sometimes find traditional marketing advice trickier to follow than you'd like, friend, you're not alone. I've lost count of the neurodivergent founders I've worked with who find traditional marketing advice difficult to follow, exhausting to execute, and frankly, disappointing in its results. On this podcast, you will learn about marketing that works for all kinds of brains. You'll hear conversations with experts who found their way to success, both online and in the real world. Whether I'm interviewing a guest or sharing the occasional solo episode, my promise is that we'll share useful information about how to market your business with more ease and better results, especially if, like me, you're neurodivergent. Two last things before we get started with today's episode. First, I joyfully live in a house with a considerable number of Devon Rex cats, five to be precise. They are a chatty bunch and they really don't like it when I close my office door. So if you hear them crying, fear not. I promise they get all the cuddles in the world once this recording is over. And two, I am prone to dropping the occasional sweary word. And I invite my guests not to censor themselves either when they join me on the podcast. So if you have sensitive ears around, pop some headphones in and you'll be all set. Let's get to today's episode. I'm delighted to kick off this series of conversations with my guest, Helen Perry. A former journalist and all-round communications queen, Helen now helps people running solo creative businesses do marketing that works for them. I first came across Helen on Instagram, where she stood out for her straightforward and always helpful content. Helen's kept up her generous sharing of really useful stuff for people marketing their work online. And today, she's sharing some of her knowledge with us. In this week's episode, Helen talks about what's required to help people with the work that you do, how she chooses what to share and not share online, and where she thinks the focus should be for any content that you put out into the world. We touch on the dance between people-pleasing tendencies and running a profitable business, the ever-changing Instagram algorithm, ah! Helen's talent for helping her clients get stuff done, it's so good, and what brand actually means to someone running a solo business like Helen's. As ever, there's the odd sweary word in this episode, and there probably will be in the further episodes to come. So if you have little sensitive ears around, you might want to pop in some headphones. I started our conversation by asking Helen to introduce herself. If you sometimes struggle to introduce yourself succinctly and clearly, you'll be heartened to know that even seasoned pros like Helen, and me to be honest, can find it a little tricky too. Over to Helen. Hello and welcome, Helen. Thank you so much for agreeing to be my guest on the Brand Up podcast. It's lovely to see you and hear you. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to have a chat with you, Anne. Well, we've done this so many times on Instagram, but we've never actually done this in a different format that's going to show up in a different place in addition to on Instagram where clips of this will be shared. I would love for you to start by introducing yourself before I dive into my questions. Sure. And I don't know, I find this quite difficult, Anne, the, the big I introduction. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know why. I kind of rely on people having a bit of a sixth sense about what I do, which is probably not the approach. However, my name's Helen. Hello. Nice to meet you. I'm 46 years old. I live in England and I teach generally solo creative business owners to do marketing that will work for them. And at the moment in my business, I tend to focus on helping people with emails, newsletters, email writing, but more broadly, we talk about marketing. What is marketing? How do you communicate confidently what it is that you can help people with, how much it costs? So there's so much 
There's so much other stuff that comes into that around confidence and clarity, boldness, that I find it quite hard to pin down exactly what it is I help people with. Facilitating, getting things done, that's another thing that I do. I provide a space. I'm like, right, you want to do a newsletter? Come work with me for a month. We'll get the newsletter done. So it's too small to say I help people with emails because actually it tends to be more than that. But that, that's the small stuff. Yeah. Courses and workshops, Anne. Courses, Courses and workshops. Courses and workshops about marketing for people who are running their own small businesses, doing exactly. all the things and feeling all of the overwhelm. There we go. Well, your answer is a beautiful illustration of why it's important often to work with somebody like you or like me who works in the marketing space and who's able to help without all of the baggage and the, the noise that might be going on in your head when I say, can you introduce yourself? And there's in all of us, the part that goes, ah, eh, must I? Can you just do it for me? And having someone else then mirror back and say, oh, I heard you say this thing. That's the thing, isn't it? And you go, oh, yes, thank you. That's the clarity. That's the thing because an external person doesn't necessarily have all of the, the symphony of doubts and other inputs about you and what well, you're saying and hopefully they've been through some themselves and have yeah. they're just a, we're just a little bit further down the line generally than the people we work with aren't we we've you know we've been through what they are currently going through and that by the way is all that is required to qualify you to help other people with the thing that you do absolutely it's a contribution to the journey not a everlasting solution to every step and every pivot along the way Perfectly put. Yeah. So a question that I like to ask all of my guests is, because this is the Brand Up podcast, talk to me about what brand means to your business. What is branding okay. meant in your business or what does it mean? <sighs> Another slippery concept. Mm -hmm. uh, and people have lots of uh, ways of putting it. I remember when I very first started uh, my, my business journey, five, six years ago, I have a great friend, Jules, who is um, high up in corporate marketing. She knows all the things. And she said to me, Helen, you need to understand what your brand is. You need to talk to other people about how they experience you. Like, what what would they say about you? And it's actually a great little exercise. If you're at the beginning of something and, and people are challenging you, like, what, what do you stand for? What's your brand? Go and ask a few kind of good contacts or good friends to say, you know, how would you describe me in a couple of sentences? What is the experience of me? Uh, and I've gone through all the feelings about what my brand is and where I would say it is now or how I like to think of it is what is the consistent experience you will have if you work with me, if you follow me on Instagram, if you get my emails, if you listen to my podcast, if you come to one of my courses, all that should feel the same, whatever that is. And, uh, you know, my brand is what I believe. It's, it's, it's me. It's what I believe in. It's what I stand for. It's what I will and won't do um, insofar as that affects you if you're buying something from me. So it hasn't got anything to do with me, how I parent my children or what my relationship with my friends. It's, you know, what will always happen, I hope, if you choose to work with me and what's that going to feel like and, and what can you expect? Does that make any sense, Anne? It does make sense, yes. And what you've just said about that your brand is you and what you believe in and what you stand for is something I talk about often with my clients because a lot of the overwhelm that comes in for the solopreneur or even someone who's growing a team is, yes, but you know the, the, the business that you're running, the offers that you have out into the world, the courses you're teaching, the get things done session, get things done sessions you're running, they they've come from inside of you. You've created them because you've seen a need, you want to help, and you have the skill set that you can share with someone else. So whether that skill set be um, you know, antique paint application on walls or making Japanese mugs or coaching or whatever the thing is, there their needs, it, it comes from inside of you, right? And so it's often difficult and why I think marketing can be so hard to separate 
yourself from your brand. So it's really interesting to me to hear you say, well, my brand is me. Cause I go, mm. I um, respectfully um, disagree that. because it's part of you that you bring, as you said, as relates to the people who are buying yes. from you. Yes. As relates. And it, it's how they experience it. And, you know, I'm ta I talk about brand in a very sort of solo business sense. You know, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not having to contrive a brand that right. 5,000 people globally can understand and, and convey to a bunch of customers. It, it, because yeah. I, I talk about brand in, in the way that it specifically applies to the kind of business I have, which yeah. means that most people who interact with it interact with me. And I think I, I think... Where I am at with it is people can become so stuck with ideas like what do I stand for? What are my what are my brand values? All of that mm -hmm. kind of thing that sometimes it's just okay to say, do you know what? I can't quite sum them up today, but I'm just going to carry on behaving this way, speaking about what I think and sharing it in a way that's helpful to my client. And you know, that what, what you see of me and my business is a very small portion of my whole self, but it is, it's very, I would say it is very much me in terms of what you would experience if you come to a course, you know? It, so I think it is in my case, my brand is partially me. Yes. It's parts of you that you bring into the brand yeah. and some of your beliefs and values that you bring into the brand, but it's not, I'll often say, you know, you don't bring, if you're a, a closeted tuba player, you don't show up and share your tuba playing with us or your, you know, hamster circus skills or whatever. Not, because you, because you're always mindful of what actually people are paying for. <laughs> like what, what have they come to you for? Um, so I am, I suppose I'm quite a professionalist when it comes to brand. Although I share insecurities, I'm really keen to share mistakes I make as a, a business owner. I don't share emotional stuff particularly. I don't, I think because I feel that's offloading onto your client. And, mm -hmm. and unless it was helpful, unless you were really clear about how it could be helpful to your people, I, I would keep that stuff out of my brand. Yeah. So, and the tuba also. And the, the tuba and the hamster circus? Would you keep the hamster uh, circus? Well, is there always time for hamster? No, and pets and whatnot. <laughs> uh, you mentioned values. And one of yeah. the questions that I had for you is whether you have a practice of regularly returning to the values that you have identified for your brand. Have you identified them? And if so, do you often come back to them? both the values and the voice that you have chosen, the way that you've chosen to express yourself in within the, the construct of your business. How often do you come back to those values or to sort of check yourself to make sure that the content you're sharing or the offerings that you're putting out into the world are in keeping with the choices you've made for your business? Um, oh, this is such, a, I find this a hard question, but it's a good question. And I know this is what the podcast is about. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go there. I've always struggled to nail down what I, I understand to be sort of top three brand values. And I do come back to it, um, especially if I am feeling untethered in my work, which I'm currently not actually, Anne, mm. I feel pretty settled in it. But maybe a year ago, that would have I would have felt differently. I, I wasn't I wasn't feeling like things were right. My one um, value that I have always been able to hang my hat on I feel really comfortable with is generosity mm. um, and I just feel like that is something I admire in others I try to practice myself it feels like it works for me in life and business when I started my this business when I started my work that's become this business over time I had a yellow post-it note it might have been pink there was a post-it note and I stuck it on my computer and it says is there value in this and what mm -hmm. I meant by it is everything that I was going to put out whether it was on Pinterest or Instagram or on a blog I, you know I needed to feel like there was some kind of value in it for other people where it was going to meet them in the world because there's a lot of crap out there right like so are we adding to it or are we giving people something that's worth looking at so I suppose that still stands that post-it note as a core 
business value um and um i think nearly everything i share i would be able to say yeah that you know that holds up that holds true mm-hmm. um so that's the first so yes i do come back to it and i don't feel like those two things really shift at all but then if i try and think of another couple of words i get really stuck mm. if, if you wanted me to come up with three then that i get beyond that those two things i get quite stuck and it, there's no rule i mean there are all sorts of inverted comma rules but there is no rule that says that you have to have three or five or however many, you know, you well, may good. have, <laughs> you may have, you know, one or two values or five that guide you, but it's, if you are clear and I, my experience of you as your client, because I have bought some of your programs and been held in that space of let's just get this done. Here's, you know, he, looking at a newsletter, which I still have to get out into the world, but it's, it'll come, but, you know, looking at how you, how you are when you're teaching a program, how you are when you're doing the podcast, how you are when you are having a chat live on Instagram or when you're writing, there is a consistency that I find comforting as the person consuming your content, learning from you, or most of the time enjoying, just, I'm just there to enjoy the Helenness of Helen <laughs> um, as, as presented within the context of your business. There is, there's a, a comforting consistency, um, professionalism, there's an energy that you bring every time. And so my f- sense of your brand is that there is this through line. And I remember you talking about that. Is there any value in putting this to come and meet, as you said, come and meet your people in the place that they are with something useful, something that is generous and useful? And- and that doesn't have to be huge. I mean, that could be like, this is a great brand of crisps or, 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 or it could be a link to a life-changing article or podcast, or it could just be a really nice photo. But it has to be worth something to them, not just you. And that's why quite often a picture of perhaps somebody's kid winning a football match, you're like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like that's really meaningful to the parent in the moment, really not very meaningful to most of the rest of the world. But, you know, I, I, I'm in the business of business. I'm not doing this for, you know, to share with their godparents, whatever you might do on Facebook. But, you know, it, that's the difference between the two types of content. There's content that is useful to you, that you get something out of. But really, when you're running a, a business and you want to market that, it's got to be all about the other person at the receiving end on the other end of a phone and what they're coming into contact with. That is that is why you have to make it valuable to them. Otherwise, it's not going to work. Yeah, Absolutely. Completely. That is for me the golden rule of every message that I help my clients create of all of the work that I do as well is it it isn't about us. And we spend so much time as founders caught up in the, you know, the the confusion inside our own minds or or swept up by this symphony of self-criticism and doubt and da-da-da. But actually, if you just if you just look up from your navel for one minute and how you're feeling, all the things that are going on inside your head and see the person and that you know you can help, oh right, this is where the focus needs to be. Oh yes, and this is what I think will help you. And it may or may not be the right time and it may or may not be the right offering. But to be of service, to be in a place of being of service, which is a buzzword in the, the healing community that I'm a little bit allergic to, but, but, but truly to create something that, as you say, serves a purpose, is useful. That is being of service to the people in your audience and to their business growth. And I, I mean, Anne, I, I, have, I also have some conflicted feeling around this because I worry about the online marketing space and particularly particularly the messages we receive as women in the mm-hmm. online marketing space around being of service, being good, being kind, being generous, because that it, it, it is quite tied up in people pleasing. Yeah. And that it, it even more so can get tied up in pleasing a, a, a platform and an inanimate algorithm and, you know, delivering content, more content, more content, more content that is useful to other people. But we do, I do believe that whoever you are, whatever uh, sex, gender, uh, color, whatever you are and whatever you do, your content has to be useful to other people in some way. And that 
is a tricky message because it's part of a slow game, really, if you're doing content marketing. You're, you, to separate yourself from the results and the want to sell, what, that you, the stuff that you've got to sell and you really want people to, to buy what you do so that you can do the work that you love. And I get that, but the results tend to come when you're doing content marketing after an amount of time building a relationship with a group of people by sharing honest helpful content and thoughts and words and videos and building that up over a period of time so you've got a community of people who trust you and want to work with you it, it doesn't happen instantly but uh, but uh, but I don't know and what do you think about this thing of helpful content and and women and people pleasing I, I, I haven't fully worked it out in my mind I haven't fully worked it out there is good sense, good business sense in establishing your knowledge, in showcasing what you can offer, in being helpful to a point. There is less business sense in spending 80% of our time creating content for a platform that consistently moves the goalposts, consistently changes the rules, often doesn't tell you about it, we are the product that Instagram or Pinterest or TikTok are selling. The product is, the content is generated by us. The product is the eyeballs of people who are stuck down the scroll hole. And as women or people who have been socialized to serve, because it's not exclusively, but usually mostly women, that can feel like quite a familiar place. Mm -hmm. I have mm -hmm. to create lots of content. I have to be in here all the time. I have to perform, 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 perform. And yeah. goodness knows we're used to performing. And I have to be nice and I have to smile yeah. and it has to be mm -hmm. warm and likable. And, and and that's my discomfort. I've got a particular problem at the moment with the behind the scenes. Like mm -hmm. I've got to share my weekend away. I've got to share my holiday and then 10 helpful tips about this, that and the other. And where did I get my bowl from? And uh, I'm not sure there's any pressure on male founders to create content of that nature. Um, and I'm not sure that it's, I'm not sure it really feeds into business results. I'm not sure no. it's a particularly good use of your time. Yeah, people will sit and watch it. It's compelling stuff. We love to see how other people are living their lives. But does it serve your goals for being there? So I think I'm trying to I think where I'm, uh, and you put it well, I think where I'm at is I'm trying to create content as much as possible on solid platforms such as podcasting, emails, you know, I'd still recommend blogging to anybody who wants to do it. Even YouTube, I think is a great platform that I'm nowhere near, but I've listened to a lot about it in recent weeks. And, you know, there are some quite clear financial rewards to being on YouTube. It's all um, solid lot, content that lives for a long and serves you for a long time, mm -hmm. as opposed to, um, places like Instagram where, and TikTok where that's not quite so much the case. Um, it's the effort versus reward, isn't it? Like how much effort could you put into establishing a presence on TikTok yeah. for it then to be banned? Or as you say, the algorithm changes and what you're doing doesn't work anymore. So then you have to relearn the platform. If they, I don't know. If you've got a marketing team of people who are dedicated to constantly keeping up with this moving space, amazing go for it there are instant gains to be made all the time but as one person creating content for your business or perhaps with the help of a few people you know I, I'm I don't know uh, I, I struggle with it I don't have a definitive answer well there's the piece about when you're creating content for a platform like TikTok or Instagram or even Facebook, where it's just content layered on content layered on content layered on content it disappears so fast and it's there was a point when I was, when we met, I was on Instagram a lot. This was in the end of 2020, beginning of 2021. Everybody was online because thanks COVID and everybody was interested in <laughs> courses. And it do. was sort of, it was like the gold rush of, yeah. of online courses. Right. And I remember being so 
charged and delighted to be on the platform and interacting with people and meeting wonderful people like you and other people who are still, I was saying to somebody earlier before we got on this recording, I think if Helen and I lived close to each other, we'd probably be quite good friends and we'd swap books and, you know. And everybody, and I would say that's really true. Um, I mean, probably my absolute best takeaway from being on Instagram is that the network of people it's introduced Mm -hmm. to me who are interested in this weird thing that I'm also interested in and where else would I found these people and definitely when you meet them it absolutely translates into real life coffees and joy and all of that you know you you can make genuine connections there and for that I'm very grateful for the opportunity yeah but that being said having been in January of you know the the end of 2020 early 2021 really consistent um you know growing an audience growing a community selling my program etc etc life things kick in, you know, attention is drawn elsewhere, energy is drawn elsewhere. And suddenly the realizing the amount of time and energy poured into this little box that I'm staring at this little, this little phone that I'm staring at is time that I'm not present with my family in my garden, petting my 370,000 million cats, riding my horse, just sitting there looking at the clouds pass, thinking, creating something of my own. And, and where what you were saying about how you don't know that male founders have this pressure to, you know, to look good, because we didn't even touch that, to look yeah. good and to be nice and to to be pleasant and to smile and all the crap that we get told when we're walking down the street and we're getting, you know, harassed because oh, what's wrong? Why are you smiling? They're also not necessarily getting or or even at all getting the responses of, well, of why are you selling to me? I didn't, I'm not here so that you can sell to me. So on the one hand, hearing you say, you know, you've got to play the long game to create things that are useful. Well, yes, but also I have a thing to sell. Like I'm here to make money so that I can save for my retirement so that I can live the life that I want because hi, I don't get a pension. You know, I don't get pension contributions when I'm here recording podcasts with people that I admire and, and love like you, or, you know, I don't, I don't get pension contributions when I'm serving my clients because I don't have a full-time job and that's a choice. And I'm lucky and super conscious of my immense privilege to be in this position. And if I don't sell consistently, I don't earn. And I, and it's been interesting to watch you cheering actually to watch you go from creating lots of content and selling occasionally to creating a little less content and selling a whole lot more often. I'd love to hear about that shift. Oh, hello. I have an invitation for you. Do you ever feel like you're always starting from scratch when you create marketing content or hired a freelancer who did an okay job, but somehow their words just didn't sound like you? Maybe you have team members waiting for you to approve marketing content so you can get the word out about your amazing offer. Ugh, I feel you. It's hard. And I have good news. What if you could curate everything you know about your brand into a comprehensive collection and have it handy by your side every time you wanted to communicate? Or better still, hand it over to your team, brain transplant style so you'd be sure that they'd get the voice just right. You can. Helping you do that is my superpower, which is handy because I'm currently taking applications for Loud and Clear. It's the small group program that I created to help entrepreneurs like you sort through all that muddled spaghetti of stuff that you know about your brand. We start early in 2024. Want to come along for the ride? Over three months, we'll create a resource that saves you time, effort, energy, and money. Best of all, it gets your work known without you ever having to start from scratch or be the bottleneck for your team. If you're ready to focus on what you do best instead of all the marketing, then Loud and Clear might be for you. If you know that you need to do this work, but group programs aren't really your jam, I also work one-to-one. The link to contact me about this is in the show notes, or you can get in touch with me on socials at Andy Ferguson. Whether you are interested in the Loud and Clear group program, or if you think you'd like us to rock it ahead, the two of us together. Either way, sharing what's in your head helps your brand grow. Let's get back to the episode. 
Uh, yes. Well, because time, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I have, I suppose you could call like my real giveaway content now is my weekly newsletter, which comes out on a Friday morning, really good email, full of good, useful stuff. And then also my podcast. I have a podcast like this one where I chat with people about, uh, small business marketing um and life generally their their businesses it's always a bigger picture thing isn't it um and then i use instagram really a lot more when i have got something to sell because i just do not have time to create i mean you've got to be got to be real about how long it takes to bloody well make an instagram post especially an instagram reel i mean it takes hours guys you know we say oh i'll just do five this morning or something and that will be me for the week not the case it takes ages and Um, that's if all the little fiddly bits work i did a reel a couple weeks ago and i wrote all the text inside the instagram app and then when i posted it half the text was gone it was there it was gone so as you say it's not a like i'll do five reels this morning and i'll be set for the week no no it's true that's really true we've got to be honest with ourselves about how much time it takes so i try to make creating instagram content as easy as possible i i just post much more when i've got something to sell because that's where my energy is at that time and i always try and make my sales content relevant beyond people who would ever buy the course it works so much better people get so much more engaged with if the the content itself sort of stands alone as well as selling something but uh, you know if i'm not in a marketing uh, or launch phase you know that means i'm probably like for the last four weeks i've been running a course and the people who've paid to come on my course have to be my priority you know Mm -hmm. so i'm delivering classes and i'm interacting with them in a facebook group and i just find i don't have as much as my good intentions to create loads of content i just don't have the time to do it as much and i have found that is fine (laughs) and it works well enough it works well enough and um uh, you know, it would, I would have a bigger audience if I could post more often. But um, at the moment, currently, I, I'm fairly happy with my business, the size it is. Um, so I think I'm at a bit of a point where it would involve taking on extra members of staff in order yeah. to feed those platforms with more content, <sighs> grow the audience bigger, that would feed back into more sales. But again, the last year, you, I've you ask yourself, what what do you really want? Does it always have to be bigger, better, more? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure it does. Do you know what I would love to do? I'd love to have bigger financial ambitions for myself. I'd love to not undercharge. You know, yeah. we set, I think women can think smaller than we need to. Why don't we yes. think a bit bigger? Which ties into one of the questions that I had for you because you, yeah. at time of recording recently, did... Um, It was episode 117 of the Just Bloody Post-It podcast, which I will link in the show notes. And you were talking about, it was a solo show, one of your Just Bloody Post-It notes, which I love the name of. I'm an avid listener of your podcast. And driving to the the barn to ride my horse uh, earlier in the week, and I was listening to you talking about how we often downplay ourselves and um, behave as if we're not good at what we do, not excellent at what we do, if we don't have a massive audience. So maybe with my audience of 1200 people on, on Instagram, I might not feel like I'm worthy of whatever the thing is, but I might have this perception that if I had 120,000 instead of 1200, then I would have the validation that would tell me that I'm good at what I do. Like that would be some kind of meaningful endorsement of your work. Right. Which is false. False information. I've been kind of obsessed with this idea and I'm glad that the podcast has been well received. Because, and often that's the case when you put something out into the world that is a little bit closer to what you really think about something. You feel a bit sick and you're like, am I either, am I stating the blindingly obvious and everybody knows this or am I saying that something that people are going to disagree with? But actually that episode had a really nice response. So I think it started, it started to manifest. Well, it's always been there. We, we know this. We know that if you have one Instagram follower, it doesn't mean that your work is worse than somebody who has 100,000 Instagram followers, for example. That's, that's the, that's the, the idea is that this number of followers you have or size of audience you have has absolutely no bearing whatsoever on how good you are and how good your work is. It's just how many people know about it. Yes. And the two things are unrelated from one another 
another, separate them. But it's so easy to attach, you know, if I were better, I would have more Instagram followers. Mm -hmm. Not the case. If you were better at Instagram, you would have more Instagram followers. Not if you were better at being a brand voice expert. That is separate from your online profile. Um, So it started, my kids love Stranger Things. They love Stranger Things. And the last series of Stranger Things running up that hill What's the, is, the, is that what the sort of, the, oh my God, the name of the artist has gone out of my, my head. Help me out. Kate Bush. Okay, Kate good. Bush. <laughs> the Kate Bush record was used in uh, the series and became a huge, 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 huge global hit all over again. Now that song was, has always been a big song, but it's always been as good as it was. It just had a new platform, a new lease of life and a new bunch of people heard about it. It was always there being just as good as it always was. Mm-hmm. And then other things, a a, a fantastic actress called Hannah Waddingham is in a series called Ted Lasso. If you watch it, congratulations, you've made a good decision. We can't get it in Switzerland. (gasps) We can't get it. Oh my God. I've tried. Can you not get it on the internet? No, you can't. It's such a wonderful program. It's just joyful. Anyway, you'll see it someday. And she is the most fantastic, fantastic actress and performer, resplendent, all the words. Um, and she's a long time, she comes from musical theatre, um, but she got this great role in Ted Lasso, which has become a global hit. And she's 48 years old, so it resonates with me. I'm 46. And she's having this huge career renaissance. It's the most beautiful thing. But she has always, always, always been as good at what she does as she is today Mm -hmm. well you know 10 years ago she was just as good people just didn't know she hadn't had a platform she hadn't had a stroke of luck she hadn't had a great bit of casting what you do is just as good as it is whether you have 10 followers or 10,000 or 100,000 people in your online community the art of the art of building an audience is different from the art of being a doctor or exactly. a you know whatever it is yeah just so so my message was just decide to believe that you are as good as anybody else at what you do perhaps better perhaps you actually know inside that you're really 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 good and present yourself to the world in that way know that you're good just make a decision to believe in it fake it till you make it if you have to and just behave, present yourself as somebody who's got as big of a following as you might like to have. Just own it. Dress for the job yeah. you want. It's all those kind of messages. Why not? Why not? And your validation, true, useful, worthwhile validation, comes from the people who work with you, people who have the experience of you. And I was talking to one of my clients the other day saying that I wanted to approach someone for this podcast that I don't know personally. And I said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to hang out in her space and get to know her a little bit. Cause I, you know, I don't want to be a dick and just sort of show up and say, Hey, you want to come on my podcast. And the feedback to me from my client was so counter to that was, well, why not? Because I know this person and this other person that, you know, is connected to this person. And actually I'm happy to be the connector to both of you. And you know, why don't, and so I did, I reached out and as someone who has an established podcast and is good at what I do and said, this is what I would love to talk to you about. This is why I'd love to have you on the show. Can we have a conversation to see if we like each other? And if like, if we connect and if we connect great, and then you can decide if you'd like to be on the show. And just that it's a, it's a tiny little micro way of behaving like someone who is asking something that is completely feasible and makes sense. So, and it's the same when you're selling, it's the same when you're marketing, but as you have said, marketing is a profession (laughs) for a reason (laughs) because it is challenging and it is emotional and it is difficult to separate how we feel about ourselves, how we feel about the things we create, how we feel about the gaze of others upon us, how vulnerable it is to put something out into the world even if we feel confident, even if we know we're good at it, the act of putting it out there causes vulnerability hangovers. As you were saying, you know, you shared in this, in the Just Bloody Post-it note the other day on episode 117, which I will link again, because it's really good, um, you know, to, to share that original thought with the world. And then it's the, 
it's yeah, gone make, out there. How it will it land? Right? It does make you feel a bit sick. It uh, does. And, it, and that never goes away. And no. I would say I'm pretty, pretty, pretty brave about most of this stuff now, but you, you just, it will catch you unawares. Um, and imposter syndrome has a sneaky way of hiding in corners that you didn't realize were there as well. But the problem is if you come at something in a slightly apologetic way, like, oh, would you come on my tiny, teeny little podcast? Mm -hmm. Don't you probably, you know, it, it's just, it doesn't just, no. Just let's yeah. not. Yeah, absolutely. And see where that takes us. Yeah. 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 No, it's, it's, and, and it affects the way that people present their brand and present their businesses. And it really has uh, a detrimental effect on the result that you get, right? When you do the marketing, because it is intrinsically an, an offering of something that you've created. And so there is a level of vulnerability. And if you, as you said, just decide, yep, this is vulnerable and I'm going to do it because I need this business to grow because I want to save for my pension because I have goals to buy a house because I, whatever the thing is, right. I want financial independence or I need to support my family or, you know, I want to help my parent or whatever the thing is to, to simply decide. And I think there is, an, there is an element of, specifically for women, of excessive overcomplication yes. to keep us busy and, and not successful. And it, do you know what it is? You're bloody well trying to protect yourself. You're, you're like, oh, I'll just charge two pence for this thing because then nobody will be disappointed. Nobody will think I've overcharged for it. I'll over deliver and I'll charge them 2p for the whole thing fucking thing and you know and it's just you're just trying to keep yourself safe rather than charging what it is worth yeah and therefore you having to meet people's expectation of what they paid for it but you can meet it and over delivering and undercharging undervalues your perception across the board Overcomplicating something so that you don't actually have to put it out into the world. You're just mm -hmm. protecting yourself from what if this doesn't work? What if nobody wants to buy it? What if nobody is going to listen to me? So you just sit there making another list mm -hmm. or another like, okay, I'm going to spend this morning looking at two different course platforms and see where that takes me instead of just putting a course out there and starting to sell it to people. All of this overcomplication, all of this undercharging and it's all about trying to protect ourselves from rejection and failure. And I get that. But the chances are, if you change your mindset and decide what you do is good enough, that will be received so much better by other people. And you might as well just get it out into the world and find out whether they want what you've got. And if they don't quite want exactly what you think they want, that's an important learning experience. And you can start designing products that people do want. But until you start putting it out there... You're not getting any information. You can't, you're not learning from people. And if you're putting it out there in an apologetic, undervalued, cheap way, you're not attracting the right people mm -hmm. and you are leaving yourself constantly dissatisfied with the experiences that you're having. Yeah. Two things that come to mind as you say that. One is that if you're trying to protect yourself, and I think we've all been there and will continue to be there because you have experience, you have cellular level experience of what it feels like to not be safe because you've put something out into the world. I remember in the last year of primary school, I had a, or penultimate year of primary school, I had a, we all had to do a self-portrait and I was never particularly artistically inclined. And I had really, really sweated over this self-portrait and I had done it and it was, it was on the wall just outside our, our mixed grade seven and eight class. And I remember this boy who was a who was not a great person coming up and look me in the eye, looking me in the eye and taunting me and ripping, putting, holding the top of it and just ripping it in three and throwing it on the floor. And that like in my body sense, because he, he had, he bullied me from like day dot. Um, but because he, to, to feel that experience in my cells of seeing something I had created, because I had to, it was an assignment, everybody had to do a self-portrait, but I had really, really for once tried really hard and I was for once proud of the thing that I had made and to have it ripped down and mocked, that's an experience that my being remembers, right? And so there is a part of me that remembers that. And we will all, if we're alive on this earth, unless we're incredibly, you know, blessed by whatever constellation of good fortune you need to not once have had that feeling, we will all have that experience in us. And so it makes sense 
that we are trying to protect ourselves. Of course we're trying to protect ourselves. That part gets to be here and so does the part that wants to pay your mortgage or put food on the table or simply save for your future. And we, again, we've talked about this before, Anne, and I'm sorry that happened to little Anne. That is sad. Um, but there is a difference, I would say, between the portrait. Maybe there even isn't a difference between the portrait and our work. Um, we've got to separate ourselves from mm -hmm. our work. Yes. So that even if somebody rips it up, they're not ripping you up. Exactly. You know, that has nothing to do with you. You put something out into the world to help other people to get something done for them. It is not, they're not, uh, and how they experience that, whether it's the right time for them to buy it or not, has got nothing to do with you as a person. Yep. <laughs> and whether you're a good person or a bad person. Or a success you know, or not. Or a success or yep. not. I had, one of my kind of real light bulb moments this year was going to a, a one-day workshop delivered by a man in business. Mm -hmm. And he's a great guy. He's got great businesses, but it was the way he presented the day and the information he gave was with such a lightness, like he had such confidence that what he was sharing was valuable. That he was not, you know, I could see there just wasn't any flicker of, am I doing okay? Mm -hmm. uh, is this good enough? Should I have added, oh, maybe I should have also said this, that and the other, or is this going to help them or are they going to go away? And it's not, he didn't have a flicker of that. He just came, he saw, he delivered his work and he went home again. And it was, I was like, that was, that's where they're just, I was like, I'm just going to decide to be more like him. I'm just going to decide to be more like that. Yeah. Here's my thing. It's good enough for the price that you've paid for it. It will help you if you choose to implement what I share. There we Off go. You go. That's and I'm right. going to get on with my evening or whatever I'm yeah. going to do. And I'm not going to think about it anymore. <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. not, I'm not going to sit there thinking, oh gosh, no, maybe I should have included this element. I should have added another video. I should have da, 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 da. No, it's fine. It's fine yeah. for what they've paid for it. It's enough. That's it. Moving on. Moving, Moving on. on. Well, and I think I suggest we all try and sit with that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. With, yeah. Like, with kindness and yeah. understanding and empathy that it's also, it sounds simple and can be challenging, but also it can be that simple. It really can be that simple. I really, I yeah. really think it can. And it wasn't until I'd sat and watched this guy um, deliver what he was delivering and the way he was delivering it, it didn't, it, it didn't occur to me actually that you could feel differently mm -hmm. about, about your product in that way. I could, I didn't occur to me that you could feel, it could be quite so simple as it appeared for him. Um, so, I decided to make it as simple as that for me. I think, and we're, we're going off on a tangent. This is maybe the last thing I'll say about it, but <laughs> there is there is an element of women being kept busy with the message of you need to work on yourself. You, that all this, like the self-help industry thrives and, and grows uproariously quickly because we feel not enough, broken, somehow in need of a tune-up, slim down color, like whatever the, whatever the thing is in the moment that that self-help kind of self-improvement piece, when it comes into business in a personal life is horrifically damaging in business is going to keep you in the red and will prevent you from growing and actually living into the potential of what your business could do. And you might sell your business down the line. You might decide to, whatever you decide to do, but but to be kept busy trying to perfect or trying to somehow improve yourself, your offering or whatever. Meanwhile, people who are much less talented than you are, who have much less to bring to the table, who are much less thoughtful than you are, are making huge bank because they're just getting on with it and doing it. And this is a conversation I'm having with myself out loud right now because yeah, I also- no, it's, it's so very, very true. It, the difference between ourselves and somebody who is thinking bigger is just that they are thinking bigger. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So speaking of thinking bigger, you have talked about, um, both you had, you had Alice Sheridan on and you had Joe, can't remember her last name, sorry, on the recent episode. McCarthy. Of McCarthy. Yeah, that's thank fine. you. Yeah. Recent episode of the podcast at time of recording. And you were talking about how 
you see the relationship that business owners have with Instagram has been evolving and changing. A lot of us have been flirting with or sliding down the burnout hill and trying to climb our way back up. <laughs> sliding down just, the burnout hill. We're just That's like, such a great depiction. <laughs> I can like, with my face, like on, on the grass, like. <laughs> just sliding down the And you, you, if you look at the bottom, there's like piles and piles of us down there. <laughs> Bodies. Bodies. Just, I'm, I'm just sort of lying there going, oh. So there is this, there has been this, there is and continues to be this phenomenon of this like sliding down the burnout hill with Instagram and other social media. And you've talked a little bit about that. And I recommend anyone who's listening to, to go and have a a good listen of all of Helen's podcast episodes because they are great. Um, What do you see, perhaps if you can cast your vision forward, thinking bigger, what do you anticipate or what could you imagine happening perhaps looking forward in the ways that we interact with social media we market our business we grow our audiences so that we have more revenue if we want it more profit if we want it and become perhaps more mindful and efficient in the ways that we run our businesses so that we get what we need our clients get what they need and we don't lose ourselves in the process um my thinking gosh oh Anne, this is this is hard um I think that, uh, I mean, certainly the gloss has come off Instagram for a lot of people, though I still really actively use the platform. It's changed such a great deal. And I think people have been very burnt by how quickly it has changed and felt it was an act of disloyalty by the, you know, by Meta, Facebook, Instagram, uh, you know, like we spent so much time learning how to use this platform and now it's transformed into something else and what, and it doesn't work for me anymore. And I've been relying on it to feed my business. And I don't think it's a good idea to rely on any one platform to uh, feed your business. I think that that's a, that's a really scary, vulnerable place to leave yourself in. I'm really glad I've built an email marketing list. It's that's the foundation of, you know, my contact list and therefore the people who buy my things. I think it is, uh, I think there's still a fantastic opportunity for people to discover you on social media. And that's what it offers, you know, a way to be found that first contact with people. Uh, there's still great opportunity for that to happen on Instagram, on LinkedIn, on TikTok, on Pinterest. YouTube, you mentioned. YouTube, very much so, Mm -hmm. all of those places. As one person, I think we need to understand what is possible in terms of the kind of content and the volume of content we're putting out there. I feel like in the future, people will treat social media presence perhaps as more of a business element of their business and understand it might be something you need to pay people to help you with if you do want to be across multiple channels and and be growing your audience that way or you are going to need to pay for a certain amount of advertising to do so it's just you're not failing if you don't have a presence on linkedin instagram tiktok pinterest and youtube that would be beyond a full-time job for one person. Oh, and yeah. we need to understand we need to understand that. So it goes back to that old advice of really kind of pick one place that you can serve fairly consistently with some just juicy content that speaks the truth about what you actually think about things. Um, because that still is the stuff that people are going to engage with and notice. It's very difficult. It's very frustrating when things change all the time. So find something that doesn't change all the time. Write a book, get featured in newspapers, appear on other people's podcasts. These things can be worth times a million percent of an Instagram post, you know? Absolutely. They have the longevity and you can also host all of that content on your website because that's something that we, you know, we talk about social media, but the SEO, that's the other thing, investing in SEO. So people actually discover your website. You know, there are more sophisticated ways of doing it than throwing your life and your time at Instagram and struggling to keep up with changes on the platform is so exhausting. Like you say, back on that hill, sliding down the hill. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're at the bottom of the burnout hill, social media burnout hill, and trying to claw your way out from under all the other people who have slid down and behind, you know, after you, and you're all sort of down there in this mass of groaning bodies, it, it's, you know, it's, it's difficult to, to generate the energy and the momentum and to know, to, to, to be able to titrate it in a way that it is serving you. So where from a content perspective, it's essential that what you're putting out into the world 
be of use to the audience that is likely to buy from you because mm -hmm. being useful to your Aunt Margaret isn't useful unless your Aunt Margaret is really someone who's actually going to buy. So creating content that is useful to the people who will buy from you, that is important. But at the same time, where it does, where you do need to put yourself and your business in the center of it is how is this taking from or contributing to my energy, my well-being, my mental health, and my business. So content for the people, frequency, relationship with the app, you know, time of use, time spent down the scroll hole, all of that, that needs to work for your mental health, well-being, business growth, and life off your little screen. The content yeah. for them. So many people, so many people approach it with a totally unsustainable level of energy. And this yeah. is the problem. Yeah. People are like, I'm going in, I'm going for it. I'm going to do this. And it is just not realistic yeah. to keep going in that way. And you've got to do the work. There's got to be a time when and it, marketing is marketing is certainly part of the work that we do. But there are also customers to deal with yeah. and meetings to attend and courses to create and yeah. products to make. Whatever it is that you're doing, you have to be doing the work that gets you paid, serving your clients, your existing clients. All this focus on the new people that you can find on Instagram is such a distraction. When yeah. in fact, the established client base that you have are going to be your most likely people to rebook the people who are going to recommend you most wholeheartedly to more people who would like what you do. Um, I, I do not have a perfect answer to how, like, you know, how much time we should spend with our Instagram or our LinkedIn these days. I think it's great to have a social media presence. I think there's nothing quite like it for people being able to discover you, but I would never ever again, which I did at the beginning, go down the road of using uh, an app such as Instagram as the kind of main, main marketing platform for my business. It's just, that's just, it's a dangerous place to be in. Yeah. Yeah. It's just surrounded by the slopes that you can slide yeah. down. Yeah, exactly. So last a last <laughs> exactly word before, mountain. before we wrap up, um, on the oft forgotten, uh, cousins of social media, and we forget them to our detriment. You've already mentioned one. Well, we've mentioned two. One is the website and the other is email because we've talked about your podcast already and obviously having content that is your own that you can repurpose on your web, you can house on your website. It belongs to you. It has a longevity and much broader reach for people. But a word, please, for the often forgotten cousins, which are email, which I know you love, and website because... I don't think we yes. make those work enough for us. No, we don't. And, I, and I'm very guilty of that with my website. I will say that in advance of what else I'm going to say. Emails have been the best marketing tool for my business, the most reliable, the most read, the most opened and the most acted upon. Quite simply, people see them. They have great clickable links in them, which social media uh, posts tend not to have. You have this slow, intimate moment with your reader when they open your email. Don't overlook them. They are super effective if you'd like to drive actual sales in your business uh, and also just allow people to get to know you a little better which I think you can do via email which is really really hard amidst all the noise online our websites investing in a streamlined website with great SEO so that people can find you when they search the internet why not it's a no-brainer. And yeah. yet, I still don't understand SEO. Um, and, you know, it's a, uh, if people aren't finding you through Instagram anymore, that's the thing to get 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 on the case with, I would say, is especially if you've got, especially if you're selling something via your website, be discovered there. Yeah. Um, and there are people that can help you in ways to do it. And but in terms of return on investment, once that work is done, yeah, you have to keep looking at your search words and all of that. You know, it's not it's not job done. I'm going to go to bed now and wake up tomorrow morning and I'll have sold £10,000 worth of product. But, you know, if you're every day, if you're driving people towards your website and they're signing up for your emails there and they are buying things there, then happy days. You're not constantly creating content for that. Absolutely. So good idea to attend to the less sexy sides, but they're yeah, really the foundational pieces of communication because they belong to you and you can revisit and tweak and amend in a way that has longevity and therefore works for you 
now, in the medium term, and in the long term. Yeah. It's not sexy. You're right. We don't get the attention. We don't get the love, the dopamine hit that we get when we have a successful Instagram post and all the messages and DMs, which, by the way, take up more of our time and energy, Mm -hmm. you know, answering all that stuff, being available to people all the time. That is that's draining, man, you know, and that is what these apps do to us even more. So it's much easier to ignore an email or have like, I keep my work emails on a separate computer to my, they're not on my phone. So, but this, these constant notifications and constantly being available to people is, I don't believe good for our long-term business success. No, or our health in the right no. now, medium term and long term. Helen, it has been a delight speaking to you as ever. I will link you in all all of the places people can find you in the show notes. So if this is your first time meeting Helen, then you're welcome. She's an absolute delight and a font of knowledge. And if it is not, well, go and enjoy all of the things and then come back and let us know what you thought of this episode. And we will meet you soon, maybe in your inbox and on our websites and socials. Thank you, Helen. Thank you, Anne. What a joy. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Brand Up Podcast, the neurodivergent founders hub for all things brain, voice, and brand. If you'd like to learn more about what you heard today, head to the show notes for all the useful usual links. Most importantly, if you're ready for marketing to be easier, and if you have a niggle that working on your brand voice strategy and messaging will help, it really will. I'd love to talk to you about your brand. You can book a chat with me by reaching out on socials or through the link in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a minute to follow the podcast and do leave us a review. That way more brilliant neurodivergent founders like you and me will find the podcast and get the support they need. Marketing can be easier, more effective and more fun when you share what's in your brain so your brand can grow. Speak soon.